Hello and welcome to the Perth Delaprem podcast. This is your host, Mike, and today I'm joined by Gareth. How are you going, Gareth? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Excited to get into this. I think we've got some uh, really interesting stuff to cover today, so looking forward to it. Yeah, obviously it's great to be talking about the Premier League again, given you know the international break is done. I mean, me personally, I didn't really watch any of Australia's game. I think you know we beat New Zealand twice, so obviously we're going to win the World Cup now. Um, England, however... And you might feel pretty strongly about this. Caught the headlines, perhaps for the wrong reasons. Obviously, a lot of talk around Gareth Southgate. What do you make of England's international break? And is there any cause for concern ahead of the World Cup? Um, yeah, I think there certainly is. People will say, oh, you know, it's only the Nations League. And I think to start with, you know, I thought, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of an average kind of tournament. Obviously, we lost at, at home to Hungary. And then we keep losing. And then what we'd only scored, we, 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 we scored one penalty in five games, um, which is quite alarming. So it's never good going into a major tournament, especially a World Cup, not winning games. So I think any English fan, English person who says that they're not worried, um, yeah, probably needs to get their head checked. Um, I still think Southgate's the right man for the job. I've read many things saying that, um, you know, he needs to get sacked and stuff like that, which I just think is absolutely ludicrous. Um, he's done so well for our country. You think going to a semi-final and then to a final when really we could have won. We should have beat Croatia. We probably would have lost to France. But we had chances against Italy. Yeah, look, we probably sat back when we could have maybe put the foot down a bit more. But I still back him. Um, but he's not really helping himself. Um, like he came out and said that he's going to pick players who are playing regularly. Yet he goes and picks Harry Maguire, who I don't think he's really played a game. I think he played against Real Sociedad in the in the Europa League and they lost 1-0 at home. Um, not picking Tamori, who has been instrumental for AC Milan, I think is quite strange. And then the whole treatment of Alexander-Arnold has been a bit strange. If, if you're going to pick him in your squad, at least play him. I, I, you know, there was times, especially against Italy, where you could have probably brought him on. If you're not going to play him, he's not going to be part of your plans. What's the point? I just, I don't really get it. And he must be quite frustrated as well. And the other thing I'll say about that Italy game, you know, we, we've lost, we're losing the game 1-0. He made two substitutions and one of them was a defender for a defender. So quite frustrating. Um, I think it shows as well how much we rely on Jordan Pickford. Pope had a bit of a stinker against Germany. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how we go. I'm, I'm still confident. I think we, we've got enough to get through the group. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> speaking on a couple of those players there, obviously, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I was going to ask you about that. You kind of answered my question there. But I think one area of the pitch that England are kind of overloaded in is right back or, or wing back. But I think, you know, the system that he plays, someone like Alexander-Arnold or something like someone like Reese James is probably suits that system probably the best. I mean, you've got Trippier as well. And Southgate's come out and said, you know, Trippier has a better all-round game than Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think as well, Gareth Southgate's making a rod for his own back personally, coming out with stuff like that. You know, it sounds like he doesn't back Alexander Arnold and obviously he's got quite the reputation amongst Liverpool fans and, and obviously English fans as well. Yeah, um, I thought it was quite disrespectful, to be honest. Um, a lot. I, I like Trippier. Now, there's players for England um, like Jordan Pickford's Trippier, Luke Shaw, even Harry Maguire, who have not let us down when it comes to major tournaments. 
Um, if you were to say to me, would I want Trent Alexander-Arnold as my right back going into that first game? No, I probably wouldn't. Um, depends what kind of system he'd want to play. But if we're playing three at the back, I, I like Kyle Walker in that back three. I think he's, he's another one doesn't let us down. And I personally would pick Trippier as well. I think Reese James is another one. He, he was woeful against Germany. Um, defensively, he looked very poor as well. Um, I had a bit to say about him actually the other day. I think this season, he's, I think he's been quite poor. He seems to have a bit of an arrogance about him. Um, Trent, it's tough. Like people say he can't defend. Um, I think that's a bit ludicrous. He obviously, he obviously can defend. It's not his strong suit. But going forward, he's just so good. I just, I don't understand. Like, if, you know, going back to that Italy game, 80th minute or so, you know, you're down. Why not bring him on? Like, he's so good at whipping a ball in. You got Harry Kane, who is very good in the air. Uh, even like someone like Ivan Tony, some, something a bit different. I'm not saying like, you know, get your Andy Carrolls into the squad like we used to and, and lump it up. But he's got such quality going forward. I just think he doesn't really fit Southgate's system and Southgate doesn't want to say that. Whereas I think it would be a lot better if he just said he doesn't fit my system and, and don't pick him. It's just as simple as that, really. I think he's trying to hide behind saying he needs to do this, he needs to do that. It just, I don't know. I think the pressure's getting to Southgate a bit and, and that's kind of what worries me because he's he seems so calm in previous tournaments and there's just something a bit off at the moment. Yeah, he's done an excellent job, I think, as well. He's stabilised England at a time where, you know, things weren't always so stable. Obviously, had some good teams in the past but haven't obviously um, quite been able to put it together. Um, but yeah, that, that was my main thoughts as well. Just uh, listening to his comments, reading his comments, I think he just he's feeling the heat right now and... Certainly leading up to a World Cup, you, you don't want to be seeing that from your manager. And obviously, given the fact that you made the Euros final, did quite well in the last World Cup, expectations are higher. But, um, you know, realistically, do you think England, putting all this aside, can win the World Cup? Do you think they're a realistic contender? Uh, well, personally, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think it would be hard. If, if they can, it would be amazing. We've got, we've got a good enough squad to compete. But we are lacking in, in some areas. I still think defensively, we, we we defend well as a unit, which is good to see. But I don't know, in, in the big crunch things, if we got someone like a France and Mbappe wanted to turn it on, I, I struggle to see how we would stop him. Um, injuries as well was a bit of a worry. Um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of kind of changes. And everything that's going on, we're our own, own worst enemy, I think. <sighs> English fans really frustrate me. I like to think I'm not like the minority. Um, this whole it's coming home kind of nonsense kind of does my head in a bit. Um, there's so much pressure on these players. And I, as, as Southgate as well, Like in, in my lifetime anyway, he's our most success, uh, successful manager by, by a country mile. He's done so much for our country. Got us, again, as I said before, got us to a semi-final, got us to a World Cup final. Um, yeah, I just, with all that, with all the pressure and the way we're playing, I can't see it. But, if we go in and we win our three group stage games, all of a sudden we're probably one of the favourites again. So football is an interesting game. It's results-based. So if we can win a few games, it's going to turn around very quickly, especially that Wales game as well. I think if we can if we can win, I know it's not the first game, but if we can beat Wales, obviously it's massive for us because we've got that rivalry, uh, rivalry with them. Um, so, yeah, we'll just wait and see. I mean, it's still going to be exciting. It's a World Cup. Who knows what's going to happen? But I just, yeah, I think we're lacking in a few positions to go on and win it. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of good points there. Obviously, one of the more successful managers in, in recent times as well. And my main bugbear with English fans is, you know, there's one thing that they do a lot of and the English media as well is they'll hype 
players up, managers up, you know, if, if they do a couple of good things or it looks promising. But then they're the first people to to bring them down as well. You know, I'm looking at your Jack Grealishes, you know, he's, a lot of English fans were calling for him to start more at the last Euros and, and now suddenly he's a big flop and he's a waste of money and, you know, he's no good. Why is he in the England squad? So, yeah, football fans can be really fickle and that's not just applying to England. It's obviously um, just teams around the world as well. So... Um, we'll move away from from England now. So today we're going to obviously have a look at the weekend's fixtures. Um, you know, perhaps a couple of managers might be sacked or, you know, the jobs are on the line. Uh, we'll have a look at the two derbies as well. So Manchester derby, North London derby. And later on, I'll put a little preview in of the interview I did with Stephen from the Wicked, Fan, uh, Wicked Spursy podcast. So we'll get a Spurs perspective on the game. Um, and then we're going to do a couple of new segments. So we've got the 10 and 10. Uh, so 10 questions, 10 minutes, pretty rapid fire there. And then we'll do a little quiz to finish off and, and then wrap it up. So let's start um, with the weekend games. Um, for me, one of the games that's probably going to be an interesting one to watch aside from the two derbies is probably Nottingham Forest versus Leicester. Obviously, we know that Nottingham Forest have signed, I think it is 22 players. I, I Don't quote me on that one there. But um, And Leicester haven't signed too many players and they've obviously made a poor start. So it's you know, um, the bottom two teeing off this weekend. So what are your thoughts on the game? And for me, I think the manager that loses this game could be the next one sacked in the Premier League. Yeah, I think we spoke about it before. Um, I, I actually, I agree with you, but I think whoever loses this game should be sacked. Yep. Um, look, I know Forest fans, be, there's probably a lot of them thinking, oh, you know, Steve Cooper's done such a good job. But as I said before, speaking of, you know, football's a result-based game. Uh, they've looked pretty poor this season, to be honest. And you say it's, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. I certainly won't be watching the game because I think they're too, they deserve to be where they'd be. Leicester, I kind of feel for Brendan Rodgers. I feel like he probably should have walked. You know, they're not invested anything at all. The only thing I'll say with Leicester is I, I still think they've got the players to get through it. Um, you know, Yuri Tillman's, I think, is quality. He's probably in the top 10 centre mids in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, you know, James Madison's been on fire. He was another one who I thought should have been in the England squad, even over someone like Mason now. He's been performing well for the last season and then also at the start of this season as well. Um, there's probably a few others in there like Harvey Barnes. They, they have got some good players. Um, Forrest, on the other hand, yeah, like they brought in 22 players and I know they kind of had to because they had a lot of loan players. But other than that, Awani, Tawa Awani, there's not really been anyone that's kind of caught my eye. I know that Omar Richards, I think he's been injured, so that was probably unlucky for him. But um, yeah, it's hard with Forrest because, you know, they, they signed, they threw all that money to Jesse Lingard, which I thought was a bit strange. Yeah, and I certainly think whoever whoever loses this weekend probably should go. Yeah, I think um, Rich, who we spoke to a little while back, um, was pretty excited about the prospect of Jesse Lingard, but I don't even think he's really starting at the moment. And obviously, he's on big money. And I think my main concern with Nottingham Forest is, you know, what's going to happen if they do get relegated? I wonder if these players have got relegation clauses or anything like that. They're going to be back to square one. And they've obviously fought so hard to get back in the Premier League. Um, and we've seen how hard it is to obviously once you go down to get back up. So it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, I mean, Steve Cooper's done a pretty good job there because they were bottom of the championship when he took over. Um, I guess another thing to probably note is, you know, if they do sack him, who who's going to come in? Who's really going to change things? Because like you say, I mean, they've signed that many players. I don't think, you know, any manager 
is going to have an easy time. If, even if it was Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp, you signed 22 players. It's just going to take a long time to get the players up to date um, and on you know on the same page with with tactics, etc. Um, but yeah, Brendan Rodgers probably hasn't been helped out. I think I think you made a good point there. If I was Brendan Rodgers, I probably would have walked because. You know, he's been put in between a rock and a hard place and he can't really win because, you know, he hasn't been able to refresh that squad. Obviously, they've got a couple of good players there and I expect them to to get out of it. I wouldn't say they're relegation candidates just yet, but, you know, they've got to get kicking pretty soon. Otherwise, it could be pretty dim. Um, but, I mean, defensively as well, Leicester have been really, really poor. I just had a look before. They conceded 22 goals in seven games. So that's that's over three go- three goals a game, which is really, really poor. And uh, Nottingham Forest are just about equally as poor in that respect as well. So it's going to be be interesting. And obviously, like we spoke about Jamie Vardy the other day in our FIFA ratings pod, you know, they've relied on him pretty heavily and he just isn't the same player that he was, you know, four or five years ago. Obviously, still able to get a goal, but I don't think he scored this season. So, yeah, worrying signs for Leicester. Um, another team I wanted to talk about as well, just quickly, because Newcastle obviously caught the headlines quite a bit throughout the summer because of their new investment. Um, but they've they've had an interesting start. I mean, they've shown signs. They look a little bit more consistent, you know, tenth in the table. But they've only won one game. I, I, that's um, kind of taken me by surprise there. They've drawn five, but they've only lost one game. Um, and now they've obviously got quite a few injuries as well. So Isaac, the big signing there, has been injured. Wood, uh, St. Maximin, Guimarez, uh, Callum Wilson, you know, he's he's always um, on the physio table. John Joe Shelby's injured. What do you make of Newcastle? I mean, a lot of their fans are probably getting too ahead of themselves, I think. Um, what should their expectations be as well? I think for them, if they can finish in the top 10, I think that's a, a successful season. I mean, you, you get a load of money in and it's sort of, you go, oh, you know, we're going to be competing for, you know, the Premier League, the Championship, uh, Champions League spots. But it's, it's not as easy as that. I think if they can establish themselves as a top 10 team this year, even a top eight is probably actually realistic as well. And then kind of push on. I don't have to, I don't think it needs to be instant. But one thing I think with Newcastle, um, you know, it's, it's been an almost a nearly a season for them. And, I mean, you'll know when they played against City, they, they gave City a good run for their money. They could have probably won that game. And then, obviously, when they came to Anfield as well, they gave Liverpool a real scare. They went 1-0 up. Uh, the new signing missed quite a big chance as well. I know Carvalho scored in, like, the 98th minute or something like that, which was probably down to Nick Pope and um, his kind of antics that he was pulling. So, they, they, they have been unlucky. Um, I think they're a good side. Obviously, yeah, as, as you said, injuries are hard, and that's where we're going to see how good their squad is because if you want to be challenging for the title um like we've said before you need to have that squad depth so it'll be interesting to see i think yeah for them if they can finish top 10 top 8 i think that'll be a, a very successful season and even you know throwing a bit of a cup run would be nice as well yeah definitely obviously quite a passionate set of fans as well and um i think top 8s yeah top 8 top 10s pretty realistic for them um it's not as easy as it was when say city came in uh, with that new investment to sort of break in, given the FFP restrictions have kind of tightened over the last couple of years, probably because of, you know, your Man Cities and, and Paris Saint-Germain's. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. So, um, I was going to talk about West Ham and Wolves. I think that'll be, that'll be an interesting game. But I think what we'll do is we'll just nip straight into the derbies now because these are two big games here. Obviously, especially will have an impact at the top end of the table. So I think we'll start first with the Manchester derby. So it's at the Etihad. Um, for me, looking at it as from a City fan's perspective, you know, not 
always confident going into it, even with Manchester United over the past couple of years, you know, perhaps not doing that well. Um, and, you know, they actually tend to beat us at the Etihad a lot more than than we tend to, to beat them. So um, what are your thoughts on this game? Anyone to watch out for? I mean, for me, it's going to be Haaland. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, Manchester United are developing under Ten Hag. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that it is at the Etihad because I was just thinking, I wasn't sure then. And when you said Etihad, I was like, maybe. Because for me, United, they've been, they've been doing well. Obviously, they've picked up. I think they're in fifth spot at the moment. I don't think there's any expectations. Like if they if they went and lost 3-0, I don't think anyone's going to go, oh, you know, Ten Hag's rubbish, United have been rubbish. So I think they can play quite a relaxed kind of style. Um, interesting one to watch for me would probably be uh, Anthony, who, who signed for them, scored on his debut. Uh, he looks sharp. He looks quick. Um, so if, if they can kind of counter-attack against City, he could be one that's dangerous. Obviously, um, we know about Haaland and how, and how good he's been. It'd be interesting to see him come up against um, Martinez. I think a lot of United fans have been going on and, and saying statistically he's better than Van Dijk and all this and that. He's done it for, what, five or six games. So it'd be interesting to see how he does over a season. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I still think City will win. They've got so much quality. Um, but United, yeah, they're not... A, they're not an, it's not the type of team you probably want to play at the moment. I think they're quite dangerous, but I think City will have too much, especially with all their attacking options. I'd like to see Foden as well kind of lift his game a bit. Obviously, he's probably, I, I would say England's probably key player. I think if he can turn it on, he could be that player who could really take us to that next level. Um, so I'd love to see him move on. I'd probably say, I, I, I think City I think will win 3-1. 3-1, okay, interesting. I mean, I think Ten Hag's kind of stabilised things over the past, um, you know, few games. Obviously had that quite poor start. And what I've noticed, just having a look back on it, I think he, he tried to play out a little bit too much um, in the first couple of games. And I think probably one um, thing I would say, though, is he's done well to go, well, look, I've obviously got deficiencies in my squad and he's kind of changed it. And I think against Arsenal, which they obviously they beat 2-1, they, they kind of sat back a little bit and that's where Manchester United have been really dangerous over the past couple of years with the likes of, you know, Rashford, um, obviously Sancho now as well, um, you know, hitting on the counter. They've got the perfect players to do that. And I mean, Christian Eriksen's been a great bit of business for them as well on a free transfer. It was interesting to see how that worked out given they've obviously got Bruno Fernandes, but he seems to be dropping a little bit deeper as he's done um, under Antonio Conte at Inter. So now it'll be interesting to see. I mean, City have got quite a few defensive injuries, um, but I know yourself and Michael and, and many other rival fans don't have too much sympathy for Man City, um, given our riches. riches. But um be interesting to see who the partnership is because we haven't really had a consistent partnership just yet. I mean, Manuel Akanji, I didn't really expect too much when we signed him. I was a bit like, why are we signing him? But he's he's been solid. So, yeah, there's a few things to, to watch out for. We haven't lost a game, and I can only imagine the meltdown on Twitter and social media if Manchester United go to the Etihad and get a result. I'm sure Manchester United fans will, will be all over it, and Rio Ferdinand will be, uh, be um, cheering the praises for Eric Ten Hag. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, Maguire's out of the team. Um, and it looks like they're looking a little bit better defensively with Varane and Martinez, as you mentioned there. So I think we'll leave that one. I'm, I don't know. I could see United nicking it, but it could go either way. I think with Haaland in, in the team, anything can kind of happen there. He just makes things happen. And I think we win a lot more games than we would have last season, given the impact that he can have just with very minimal touches. So 
let's talk about the North London Derby. So as I mentioned, I had an interview uh, just last night, actually, with Stephen from the Wicked um, Spursy podcast, so Spurs fan podcast, and I got his thoughts on the game. So what we'll do is we'll play that one first. Um, it's a couple of minutes long, and you can actually hear the full episode available on your preferred podcasting platform or on YouTube. Um, and then we'll just start, uh, you know, cast our thoughts on on what he had to say. So have a listen. Ken, um, the North London Derby. So just having a look at the recent results between the two teams, uh, Spurs have the edge winning three of the last five, I believe. So how are you feeling about the game this weekend? Relatively confident, confident, anything you're worried about? Look, I'll tell you right off the bat, if if you're speaking to any Spurs fan and they feel com- confident in any game that we play, they have not been a Spurs fan for very long. Um, you know, we could be playing bottom of the league squad who's conceded, you know, 40 goals in five games. And I would say, to think well they've probably got a shot at beating us um such is the long-term spurs fan curse uh but no i mean in all seriousness i think this is probably the biggest challenge um that we've had so far i mean chelsea wasn't a great game but we it's one we should have won based on their form um but this is one where the team we're playing is in good form um so and it, of course, these games are always explosive. There's going to be a lot of uh, passion from both sets of players to try to get that win. Um, but I, like I said, I'm I'm curious to see how Arsenal lines up. It's it's in my opinion their first really difficult fixture of the season. Um, whereas Spurs have already, you know, like I said, they've, they've played Chelsea. Um, they've had arguably a, a little bit more difficult uh, of a start than Arsenal has. I think this is where we see what level both teams are at, right? If Spurs can dominate them, I think it shows that, you know, some of these early struggles and hiccups have are starting to pay off. If Arsenal come in and they remain competitive, I think that you can say, you know, they're not so much of, having a fluke to their start of the season they've actually earned it um for me i think it's going to be a battle a, a defensive battle i think both sets of offensive players are going to cause a lot of headaches it's going to be who can keep the level head in the back line for the longest period of time uh and for me i think spurs have the edge there um especially if Romero plays over uh, Devinson Sanchez. If he's in that lineup, Dyer is consistent. It doesn't really make a difference for me if it's Davies or Longley in that left back, left center back spot. Um, but I think Spurs have the edge um, in defensive, you know, solidarity across that back line. Um, Arsenal, I think, you know, I, I've only caught a couple of their games this season, but they've been a little bit more prone to lapses at the back uh, that just haven't been punished really. So, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be a battle of the uh, defensive players and I think Spurs have the edge on it. That said, I, it it is a big worry to me. I think that this could be a game where, um, you know, Spurs could lose. Um, You know, I, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a draw. I'll say that one team is going to be victorious in this game. Um, I think Spurs have the edge, like I said, defensively. Um, 
but if we can't capitalize, you know, Sun has got his hat trick, but he has been in poor form. Kane, great player, always dangerous. Whether it's Richarlison or Kulisevsky partnering uh, those two up front, they're going to offer something. If we can capitalize on, on the defensive errors on Arsenal, I think we'll be fine. But, you know, we also have to be cognizant of what they can do as well. Uh, Odegaard's a, a fantastic player. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been on fire so far. Um, the only thing I think working in our advantage is his uh, track record against Spurs is not, not been great. Um, I very vividly remember um, the Champions League fixture we had against uh, Manchester City where he thought he won it. Uh, and then VAR took that away from him. And like the, the just distraught look on his face was like forever etched in my mind. Um, but that's just something that, that happens with that, with Jesus. I'm sure you're aware as well, you know, yeah. when he's performing well, brilliant player, great to watch. But as soon as he starts, you know, missing some of those goals or not getting the service, or maybe he's being uh, muscled a bit too much by the defense, he does have a tendency to sort of clam up and, um, you know, go cold for a while. So if we can keep him shut out, I think we've nullified a lot of the danger. But, uh, you know, if I had to call it right now, I think probably a 2-1 Spurs win is is reasonable. Um, but I, not to the point where I would bet anything on it for sure. <laughs> Okay, so we've got Stephen's thoughts from the Wicked Spursy podcast. So we've got a Spurs fan perspective. Arsenal fans thought they were too good for us and, and uh, didn't want to come on and have a chat. So hopefully Spurs win in that case. But um, Gareth, what are your thoughts on the North London derby? I mean, a lot of we spoke a little bit about uh, Spurs front three. Um, we did have a quick chat there about Arsenal's front three as well, obviously adding the likes of Jesus to you know a pretty exciting front line, I think. Uh, he's predicted a 2-1 Spurs win, but... How do you think it's going to go? Uh, yeah, look, some interesting comments. Um, straight away when he was saying about, you know, Arsenal have had quite an easy run and stuff like that, I thought, well, who, have, who have Spurs played? Because I know I know they played Chelsea because I watched that game and Spurs were absolutely awful. Chelsea battered them and I still don't know how they didn't win the game. So I just flicked through. I've got my phone here. I was just looking at their fixtures. Obviously, they were fantastic against Southampton. They played Wolves, Forest, West Ham, Fulham, Leicester. So really, Not the toughest run. yeah, so Spurs haven't really had many tough games as well. The one game that they had, Chelsea, I mean, you know, you can argue Fulham kind of a bit of a derby and, they, and they've been doing well, but they haven't really played that many good teams. I know you, me and you both watched the, the Wolves game as well. They won there. They played really poor, but they still won the game, which is good. And I will give Spurs that, even though they're not playing well, they're still managing to win games, which is fantastic. But They've not really been tested other than that Chelsea game where they got dominated. Um, I, I think they're a bit light in midfield. Hoiberg and, and Bentacore, I think, have, have done well. Um, but a bit like we were saying with England, they get players get overhyped. I think they're both getting overhyped massively. Uh, that's a bit of a worry. Both, both of their wing-backs, I don't think are that fantastic. I really rate Romero. I think he's a fantastic centre-half. And I'm a big fan of Eric Dyer as well. I'm pleased to see him. Um, not too sold on Davies and, and Lingley just yet, but I probably haven't seen much of them. And as I've said on previous pods, their front three is is outstanding. Um, I really, really think it's fantastic. I was so happy to see uh, Son score that hat trick because I'm a massive Son fan. 
Um, if you're not a massive Son fan, then you probably support Arsenal because any other neutral must, must like Son. I don't know how you can't not like him. Um, yeah, and they brought in Richarlison, obviously. I'm not a Richarlison fan as well. I think he's a bang average footballer. Guards around and I don't think he brings much. His record for Everton was was shocking. Um, people were going to say, oh, but, you know, he really tried well. You know, let's not beat around the bush. If that was someone at Man City or at Liverpool, at these real big clubs where Spurs want to go, um, yeah, you'd be asking questions, just like people are with Darwin Nunes at the moment. But uh, I've been really impressed with Arsenal and I think they've been good defensively. And I, I, if, if Spurs play like they did against Chelsea, I think Arsenal will beat them 2-0. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I did say to Stephen last night, though, is I think, you know, looking back at that Wolves game, which kind of stands out for me, and obviously that Chelsea game, they probably got away with one. Obviously, there was that VAR decision, which I can't believe didn't get overturned when yeah. Kukurea's hair was just being pulled down. I mean, you know, how's an opponent not gaining an advantage? I think there was some silly justification about it um, not being in the same phase of play. But for me, that's just nonsense. That that yeah. They got off there as well. But I do think that, you know, in previous seasons, Spurs probably would have gone and lost those games. And, you know, it's kind of the hallmark of a, a Antonio Conte side that they are defensively resilient, um, obviously grinding out results when perhaps they're not playing um, overly well. I mean, Arsenal's an interesting one for me as well. I mean, they did lose their first big test against Manchester United, but we still don't really know where Manchester United are at at the moment. And, you know, they tend to pull these results out of the bag a little bit in terms of keeping the fans at arm's length. So I think it'll be good to see where both sides sit because, you know, at the moment it's quite open at the top there. I mean, I don't think City have hit their straps just yet. I mean, obviously haven't lost. And then obviously you've got Spurs and Arsenal just behind them. Chelsea, again, we don't know how they're going to go under Potter. And then you've obviously got Liverpool who are down, but I do expect them to pick up at some point. I don't think it's going to last forever. So, yeah, look, it'll be an interesting game. I mean, Spurs have won three of the last five. Um, But, yeah, it could go either way. And, obviously, I think both squads still do have some weaknesses in them. But I think what both managers have done at at each club of, you know, they should be lauded, really, because uh, both clubs weren't in good good positions when, when they took over. And, I mean, for me, I'm looking at Martin Odegaard, thinking in a few years' time when, when Kevin De Bruyne starts slowing down. I'm looking at him as a Kevin De Bruyne replacement because I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, just some of the stuff. He obviously came to fame pretty early and it didn't quite work out at Real Madrid, but he's been an excellent signing. And now he's the captain of Arsenal. He's only only 23 still. feels like he's been around forever. So, um, yeah, look, it'll be a good game and hopefully, hopefully um, provide lots of goals and not one of those games where, you know, both teams cancel each other out as well. Um, you know, looking at, Arsenal's defence, I think you said they're quite solid. I think Saliba's been a big part of that. You know, he's he's come in after a couple of years out on loan back in France and he looks like he's been playing in the Premier League for 10 years. You know, he looks really solid. Obviously, you've got that young core of Ramsdale, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. So, good signs for Arsenal. And obviously, you've already touched on Spurs' front three. So, um, you know, if you'd like to listen to my full interview with Stephen, you can, as I said, you can find it on all good podcast platforms. So, Let's just move on quickly. What we'll do is we'll just quickly predict the game. So like we normally do, just go win, draw, loss, um, and just go through them really, really quickly, and then we'll get on to the rest of the show. So start with this one. You've already said um, your North London derby prediction, so we'll leave that one there. So Bournemouth, Brentford, who are you going? Uh, draw. Draw. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, Crystal Palace. Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, Fulham, Newcastle. Ooh, tough one. Ah, oh, Fulham. 
I mean, I got egg on my face earlier on when I said that they'd lose oh. six. So let, let's back the boys. <laughs> Fulham one, Liverpool six, quoted yeah. by Gareth Crawley. Uh, Liverpool, Brighton. Oh, see, I was looking at this and I was like, it's, I was like, oh, maybe it's a good fixture to have because they've lost part of, but then then they've probably got something to prove. Liverpool have been playing poor. Oh, I'm going to say Liverpool win. Gotta, I think they've had a good rest as well, and it gives Klopp a bit of time to sort things out. Um, yeah. I don't know too much about the new Brighton manager, but young one as well, so kind of fits that same profile that Potter did. So it'd be interesting to see how how he um, doesn't does. need to change much, does he? Really, I know Potter had his, his start, but I don't think he needs to change too much. Obviously, he's going to put his own stamp on it. I'd I'd hate for him to come in and try and change it too much, and it's probably not the yeah. time to do it against Liverpool because if you're trying to play a new system against Liverpool Anfield, yeah, look, probably not the best thing to do. But Brighton are, are a good side. Um, again, I think they're a bit overhyped and they're doing well this season. Yeah, but they are a good side. And I could see them come to Anfield and getting something. But for me, Liverpool have still got a bit too much. And at best, I'd see Brighton get a point. But I'll probably have egg on my face come the weekend. So we'll see. Well, there's always the you know the new man- manager bounce as well. And I think um, you know, you're right. You shouldn't change too much. I think Brighton have done really well. And sort of keeping within their means in terms of how they play. So now I'm interested to see how that pans out. Uh, another big game, Southampton, Everton. Southampton, Everton, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, West Ham, Wolves, both teams pretty low on the table, struggling to score. Yeah, my, my heart, I want West Ham to win. I like West Ham. Um, but it'd be interesting to see Diego Costa obviously back in the Premier League. He's a bit of a mongrel. I don't know if Jimenez is fit at the moment, but I was just thinking, you know, Jimenez has had a lot of quite big injuries, probably also not the player he was, but you wouldn't want to be a centre-half coming up against Jimenez and Diego Costa if they were going to play together up top. So um, I think a, I think a draw um, for that game, I would be, as I said, I'd like West Ham to win, but probably just a draw. Both teams probably are going to cancel each other out, I think. I think so. And yeah, uh, speaking on Jimenez, obviously pretty horrible injury that he did have. Um, he's, he definitely hasn't been the same since he came back. And Diego Costa's an interesting one because we don't know how he's going to be after a couple of years out of the, the Premier League. And obviously he's aged a little bit, so that'd be a good one. But I, I'm on the side of West Ham as well. So hopefully hopefully West Ham start picking up points. Uh, we've already spoke about the Manchester derby. Uh, Leeds, Aston Villa, this would be a good game. Yeah, interesting one. Uh, ooh. <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say draw as well. A lot of these games got draw draws written all over. I think if you were a better person, you could get quite a good multi for these games if it was to come off. But it'll probably be the opposite of what I say. But yeah, draw as well. Cancel each other out. I think they both not had fantastic starts to the season, so it'd be interesting to see. Bit of pressure on Gerard. So there they go. Yep, interesting. Uh, last one: Leicester and Nottingham Forest. That's a big game. Yeah, very big game. Leicester for me. But purely because I think I've, you know, we've said I'll oh, the manager gets set. I just think they've got they've got quality. Uh, James Madison's probably got something to prove being left out, not picked for the England squad again. I just think that's very very strange. I think he'll score again. He's been in good form, and yeah. So Leicester, Leicester will win that for me. Okay, so uh, that brings our or that finishes our prediction. So we're going to do a new segment here. So it's rapid fire. Okay, so I'm going to ask you questions, Gareth. Yeah. Now. Obviously had five allocated to you, five allocated to Michael, but unfortunately Michael couldn't make it today. So you're going to be put under the cost and uh, 
I'm just going to, these questions, some of them are, are relevant to what's happening now. Some of them are just like opinions. So just answer with the first thing that comes to mind and you've got a minimum, minute maximum. But if you can get it under that, then that's obviously yeah. great as well. So we'll keep it short and sharp, mate. So, yeah. right, first one here. So who will finish higher this season, Spurs or Arsenal? Uh, I would say Arsenal, only because I think they play nicer football and I would want Arsenal above them. <laughs> All right. Not helping uh, our collaboration with Spurs fans here. So, uh, second one here. If Liverpool continue their poor run of form, will Klopp be under pressure to leave the club? Bit of a controversial take. Absolutely not. Anyone who thinks that needs their head checked. Jurgen Klopp literally turned Liverpool from an absolute shambles. I wouldn't... I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, mentality monsters because I think that was just thrown around. Again, another club like that we massively get hyped up. But he's come in... And completely changed um, the side. I know a lot of Liverpool fans will throw that starting uh, Liverpool's first starting eleven, where they had he had Sissoko at left back and God knows whoever else he had in the squad. Um, but he's won every single trophy I think possible to him. I know it's been over over a long time, but yeah, rubbish. If anyone thinks that, they can do one. All right, Gareth Crawley, you've heard it here first. So. Have Nottingham Forest made too many signings this season, regardless of the fact that they had numerous loan signings last season? Yeah, it's, tw- it's just ridiculous. Like, tw- it's just, it, I, I don't know how anyone could manage that. So, yeah, short and simple. Yeah. Okay. Uh, will Gareth Southgate be sacked after the World Cup if things don't go well? Oh, look, he, he probably will. But I, I, I actually spoke to um, someone the other day about this. I said, if, even if he does well, like if, if he was to win the World Cup, if I was him, I'd probably step away, even if he has a good tournament. I don't know how anyone deals with the pressure of being an England manager. It would just be so taxing. So he probably would be sacked. I'd like to think not, but I just feel like the amount of pressure that they'll feel under, I think this will be his last tournament, but I would like to see him stay on personally. Okay, and this is a statement. So... Darwin Nunes was a poor piece of business by Liverpool. Thoughts? Oh, it's, it's hard to say too early because, you know, even if he has a stinker this year and then turns it on for the next three or four years, I think he's he's a long-term buy, in my opinion, as much as they want success straight away. I think he's a bit hot-headed and I didn't really know that about him. Like his sending off was idiotic and then he had that thing on the sideline with Newcastle where he's like rearing up. So he hasn't really helped himself and I think he's cracking under the pressure a bit whereas Haaland has kind of reveled in that. So for me, it's just too early to say. Okay. And should Harry Slabhead Maguire be dropped from the England squad for the World Cup if he's not playing regularly for Manchester United? Well, going off what Southgate said, if you're not playing, then you're not being picked. Yes, he should. Has Harry Maguire ever let England down? No, he hasn't. And like I said before, we've got quite a few players who maybe for their club haven't been fantastic, but for England have not let us down. Harry Maguire is fantastic in tournaments. You know, I, I, I actually like him. I don't really watch him for Man United. I don't have much. I don't watch United often. So I'd still like to see him go. But based off what Southgate was saying, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be in our squad. So simple as that. Southgate needs to, you know, if he does, he's, he's eating his own words. So... Yeah, I think he needs to honour his words there as well. Be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, next Premier League manager to be sacked? Um, Steve Cooper. Okay. Uh, relegated teams this season. No explanation needed. Just who have you got? 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to look terrible because I said that they were my um, surprise team. Well, we all said them, but Forest. Yeah. I, I think Leicester, uh, you said they weren't really in really. I don't know, I said they've got the players for it, but there's just something, there's something obviously wrong with that club at the moment. I think they're, they're gone. West Ham will have enough. I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Bournemouth. I know they've, they've had that bit of new manager bounce, but they, they look woeful as well. So, yeah, those three for me, but we'll wait and see. Prove me okay. wrong, Eric Ten Hag is going to be the manager to break the curse of Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson left. What do you think? Is that curse as in win the Premier League? Or ju- or- just in terms of trophies? Um, potentially. I, you know, it's, it's early days. I, I like what he's done. I, I, you know what? I you know, obviously don't like Manchester United. Um, so I probably am bias towards saying sort of worse things about him but I actually quite like Ten Hag I like I like the way he speaks I like how he's come in and, and he's been comfortable to make changes and he put down his rules so he's, he's showing very promising signs he's going to need time like I, I think it's, it's been a good side but he's going to need time for it I still think they're quite a while away from competing for leagues as such but they, they've got the squad definitely to win a, a you know Europa League or a win a win a domestic cup. So yeah, I think he could. All right, interesting. And this is the last one. This is probably more opinion. Could Kevin De Bruyne be regarded as the best midfielder in Premier League history by the time he retires? I saw a little bit of a debate on Twitter the other day about this. Uh look, he certainly could. It's really hard though. Like football's a thing about opinions and, and the modern day midfielder is so different to what it was even, you know, ten years ago. And I know um, on the last podcast that you did with Michael, they're saying about him coming up against Steven Gerrard, which is just ridiculous because they're two different types of players. And Gerrard was in a bang average side, really, and dragged them through. Um, yeah, look, if I had to pick De Bruyne or Gerrard, I'd pick Gerrard every day of the week. If I had to pick De Bruyne or Lampard, I'd pick Lampard every day of the week. Even someone like a Yaya Torre is different. I'd probably pick, I probably would pick De Bruyne over him, but. Yeah, it's a matter of opinions. For me, no, but he's going to be in. He's going to be up there, and and I know a lot of people say he will be, and I could I could see why people would say because he's such a good player. Okay, so that concludes the Perth Della Prem ten and ten. Has a nice ring to it. Uh, just for the listeners out there, if you'd like to, you know, send in any questions for the ten and ten, so you can use the hashtag DM Della Prem, and uh, we'll have a look at them, and maybe we can include them in our next podcast. All right, let's wrap it up with a quick quiz. I was going to do ten questions, but I think we'll do we'll just do five, just for the sake of timing. So the way this is going to work, Gareth, is I've got ten questions here anyway, but you can just pick a number between one and ten, and then I'll just uh, I'll give you that question. So pick a number. Yeah, well, my plan number number four. Number four, which player refused to be substituted in the 2019 Carabao Cup final? Kepa. Yep, Kepa. I'm not even going to pronounce his last name. Uh, no, I'm not going to try that. Yep, so obviously he turned into manager and player that day. Um, good one, good yeah. start. Uh, pick a number. So uh, number four. We'll go, stick the even numbers, we'll go eight. Eight. Well, this is an interesting one. Which player scored after only 7.69 seconds in 2019? Oh, was it? Oh, he plays in the championship now. Shane Long? Oh, yeah, that was a good one, mate. I'm going to have to make these questions harder, hey? Um, all right, because I saw one. that. I saw it on Facebook literally, I reckon, a few weeks ago. Otherwise, I would have had no clue. <laughs> 
No, quick goal, quick goal. Um, alrighty, let's whisper through again. So pick a number. Uh, we'll go six. Six. All right. I reckon you'll know this one as well. So what rival manager was Kevin Keegan referring to in 1996 when he claimed, I would love it if we beat them. Love it. Arsene Wenger? No. Nah, so Alex? Yeah. So he was talking about Manchester United. I think uh, Newcastle were doing quite well, but they capitulated at some point in the season. Obviously, Manchester United caught them up. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so number... Actually, would be so. I'm probably going to look terrible for that. But oh well. <laughs> number three, four. Number four. So pick another one. Uh, let's go an odd number. Number nine. All right. Who did Sir Alex Ferguson describe as the best youngster he'd ever seen? Oh, Ravel Morrison. Oh, not a bad one, mate. Yeah, that's good, Ravel Morrison. Um, I think he's playing in the the championship now. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's he's actually United? changed his. What's that? Sorry. Is he at Sheffield United? Is it? I, I'm trying to think. Uh, last time he probably, I think he was at some point, but I don't know if he's still there. But I know he's playing for Jamaica now. So I was following yeah. the game between them and Argentina this morning because uh, Julian Alvarez was playing. So it's not yeah. not English technically anymore. Obviously, a lot of players are switched. Um, all righty, we'll go one more. All right, we'll just go number one. Four out of five, eighty percent. That's a that's a pass. I'll be happy with that. That's an A grade, isn't it? You're doing well. Uh, who was the first ever Premier League Golden Boot winner? Oh, God. First ever Premier League It's a pretty well-known name. I mean, I, football formed for me in 2008, and I know this one, so. Yeah, well, United won it. I'm just trying to think of who was would have been. I'm, I'm assuming it's, no, it's probably going to be Alan Shearer, isn't it? No, I can confirm that he did play for Manchester United. And I think, wow. if I'm not Andy wrong... Cole. Nope. Delight, you're I might have actually played for Spurs as well. Let me just double check that. Absolutely stumped. It's probably yeah, he played for... I'll give you his CV. So he started at Millwall. Uh, he played for Nottingham Forest actually as well. I uh, was at Tottenham, then Manchester United. Then he went back to Spurs and then he had spells at Portsmouth, West Ham and Colchester. Not sure if that helps you out. I'm, no, I'm going to look terrible. I've, my mind has gone blank. And I know when you say it, I'm going to be going, oh, that was obvious. Number um, 10 for Spurs. I think you might have been at one point. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> Not Gascoigne. Terrible. Oh, no. I'm going to say another wrong name. So I'm going to just say, sorry, I can't think of it. And you're going to tell me it. I'm going to be kicking myself. It was actually Teddy Sheringham. Oh, Teddy Sheringham. Obviously. That's just... He was he because I, I didn't think he was that prolific. So that's quite. How many did he? No, how many interesting one. He's a striker, but um, yeah. I mean, I would have gone. Look, if it was me being asked, I probably would have gone Alan Shearer, Andy Cole, the yeah. likes of that. Um, oh, I should have known, especially Tottenham. It's, yeah, but yeah, for me, I never thought he would be. A, I knew he scored goals, but I never thought he would be someone who would get a golden boot. So fair play to him. Yeah, and um, look, I think we'll wrap things up there. Um, anything else you just want to add? Anything you're looking forward to this weekend, just quickly? Uh, both the derbies will be interesting. Um, yeah, I probably will watch the North London derby because it's on at a pretty reasonable time. So looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, leicester Nottingham Forest game goes and obviously hoping that Liverpool will bounce back as well because if they don't, then, yes, yeah, they're going to be... A long way behind the pack, which is not a good start. So 
no, it should be another good weekend. I don't really enjoy international breaks. I don't I don't watch England in the international breaks. They're on at silly times. Um, so, yeah, it's nice having the Premier League back. Yeah, I think they're on at like 3 a.m. our time, so it's it's never nice there. But, um, yeah, look, I think Derby's going to be interesting. I think, obviously, even the lower half of the table, lots at stake already early on in the season. So, thanks to our listeners um, for all the support over the last few weeks, you know, getting a few more followers, a few more listeners. Um, and, yeah, just continue to spread the word of Perth De La Prem. So, thanks for listening to the Perth De La Prem podcast. This is your host, Mike. You can find us on... So all the social media platforms and podcasting platforms and you can find all the links to these channels in one link linktr.ee forward slash Perth De La Prem or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, SoundCloud, Acast, Podbean, TikTok, Apple Podcasts and YouTube all on the same handle Perth De La Prem and like I said earlier in the show make sure you use the hashtag DM De La Prem and you can get your listener questions in and we'll answer them in the next podcast until next time Thank you for listening.